Same regulation, different house, Mr Speaker. But here we are debating a floodplain harvesting regulation because, true to form, the National Party have again tried to licence this form of take by stealth. Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the National Community Radio Network. Today's program was produced on Williakali country of the Barkindji Nation and we're broadcast across stolen lands via the Community Radio Network. I'd like to pay respects to traditional owners and their elders past and present and acknowledge the struggle for water justice disproportionately affects First Nations people. I'm Megan Williams. This floodplain harvesting regulation has been rejected three times by the Upper House and it is an insult to us all to bring it back to Parliament unchanged. This week on Earth Matters, we continue our coverage of licensing and regulating floodplain harvesting in New South Wales. Regulations to license floodplain harvesting were published by the Water Minister Kevin Anderson on July 1, and this week they faced a disallowance motion in the New South Wales Lower House, brought forward by Member for Murray, Helen Dalton. Today, we'll hear clips supplied by the Parliament of New South Wales of the disallowance debate, which was voted down, leaving the regulations to stand unchanged. We'll hear from Miss Dalton on why she brought this disallowance motion to the New South Wales Parliament, and from Darling River Action Group President and resident of Sunset Strip on Lake Menindee, Ross Ledra. Interviews for today were collected and first broadcast by Community Radio 2Dry FM's Water Watch program. So Helen, thank you so much for joining us. There's going to be a debate this afternoon in the lower house of the New South Wales Parliament relating to the regulations on floodplain harvesting. Uh, Can you tell me why you've brought this debate to Parliament? Look, we have um, brought the debate because um, the the National Party have tried to licence floodplain harvesting and really we don't even know how much um, water, because it's not uh, metered or monitored, but we believe um, that it's well below, well above the, the cap. And uh, last week on Water Watch, we spoke to Roy Butler, who was pretty firm that, you know, without regulations, uh, they really can't measure or monitor the amount of floodplain harvesting that goes on, and that, you know, there'll be a, there's a review process built into this. You know, why is it that uh, you don't see that as a satisfactory process? Look, because I think the metering and monitoring has to be done before we can understand how much water is taken. Um, We know that this regulation um, has been rejected three times in the Upper House and um, the government keeps bringing this back to Parliament. Um, This regulation has been overwhelmingly rejected by the Aboriginal people, the river communities, recreational fishers, floodplain graziers, um, riparian farmers, academics, uh, scientists and southern basin irrigators again and again and again. And it's a very good reason why they have rejected that is because the regulation is really not adhering to the law. And um, the law says that it's got to be uh, a certain level or under a certain level of of, um, take 
And the law really, um, to understand all of that, we need to meter and monitor. So I would suggest that metering and monitoring would be the first thing that we should do. And then we would understand how much has been taken. Because really, I'm not against floodplain harvesting, but it's got to be done. It's got to be licensed and regulated and within the law. And as you say, these uh, regulations have been disallowed in the upper house three times already, but you're bringing this motion into the lower house. What are you hoping to get out of uh, introducing a lower house disallowance, given that the numbers will likely side with the government? Well, they will. The numbers will be very close, um, but the water minister is in the lower house. And I think that it's um, a high time that the, the Water Minister heard the debate. Um, it gives me, I guess, a chance to put the case that, you know, floodplain harvesting sh- uh, should be within the law. And I think it gives the people in the, in the lower house or the MPs in the lower house an opportunity to have their say. And, and you know, there's going to be a debate this afternoon. Does the, can you just clarify the process? When would the vote happen? Well, I believe that there'll be a number of speakers. Um, The time allowed is about half an hour. Um, And so I'm allowed as the initiator of of this disallowance to to speak for 10 minutes Um, and others can speak for 10 minutes and then I wrap up for 10 minutes. So goodness only knows how long um, people will speak for or how many speakers there are. But basically it's only half an hour uh, time slot for all of that. Right, and then the the vote will happen on the same day, or does that come back at, in another sitting? No, that, that it'll be voted on. Um, I'll I'll request that people vote, and they'll ring the bells, and um, and people will will come through and vote. I, I think it's a good idea for people out um, in the west to to have a look at this, and um, and just see what's going on, and and how they're like if they're you know in Roy's electorate, what Roy has to say. And, of course, they can hear what I have to say as well and whoever else too that wants to contribute. And, unfortunately, you know, we're, we're going to be broadcasting this conversation after the vote has already happened. So do you, do you have any words for kind of either outcome, you know, if, if the vote is uh, supports the disallowance, which would bring the regs down, or if the regs are allowed to stand, you know, do you have any comments on, on either of those outcomes? Look, I'll just sum up. I get an opportunity to sum up um, the topics, you know, the points of the debate. And um, really, you, you know, I, I think it would be fantastic if I if I could win this debate. But realistically, I don't think I can. But it just sends a very strong signal to the Premier that this is a huge issue. And we also, within what I'm going to say too, um, that, you know, the statistics or, or the information that we've got uh, is that um, up floodplain harvesting is overwhelmingly opposed um, by uh, people in our electorates, and that includes um, Roy's and mine. So we know that uh, from the Upper House inquiry into floodplain harvesting, there were 263 submissions. 78% of those were opposed to the current uh, licensing positions. Um, 22% were in favour of floodplain harvesting, but well over half of them receive a financial benefit from that floodplain harvesting. So the statistics are there. We've had that upper house inquiry and we've got those recommendations and I think the government should adhere to those recommendations, which is um, to make sure it's within the cap, to make sure that the, the Darling River has 
water flowing through it, all those things that communities' water rights are met, um, that the environment's looked after, the Indigenous are looked after, and basically, um, you know, the river is is to flow. Now, the way it's going now, I can see um, really it's another nail in the coffin if the government gets their way for the Darling River, and um, and which I think is just outrageous. So for me, um, the Darling River is just such an uh, integral part of uh, uh, what we have out in the west and um, with the, within the Murray-Darling Basin Plan and what the New South Wales government says they're going to do um, to look after the environment. However, they're abandoning, uh, abandoning uh, the Darling River with these, these regs. Mm. So, um, so I think it's uh, my duty to stand up for my community and say enough is enough. Great. Thank you, Helen Dalton. It sounds like the bells are ringing behind you there, so you probably better go. Um, But, yeah, really appreciate your time and coming on Waterwatch. No, thanks so much for the opportunity to to speak to you. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. That was New South Wales member for Murray, Helen Dalton, speaking to me for 2Dry FM's Waterwatch just prior to introducing the disallowance motion to the New South Wales Parliament to wind back regulations on floodplain harvesting because, as she's argued, they won't adequately protect environment or downstream communities. Next up, we'll hear clips of the debate from Parliament, mixed by Dan Schultz from Broken Hills Community Radio Waterwatch program. Speakers are Member for Murray, Helen Dalton, and Member for Barwon, Roy Butler. I don't oppose licensing of floodplain harvesting. After 28 years of free take, licensing is well overdue. However, what I do oppose is a volume above the legislated legal level of take of the 1994 cap, a volume that contravenes both state and federal law, a volume that will reduce river connectivity, which is one of the major drivers of the Basin Plan, a volume that prioritises a small, select group of northern irrigators who don't seem to care about their impact on downstream communities and their environment, a volume that puts at risk staple food production and a $24 billion of the nation's economy. A volume that will be the nail in the coffin for the Darling Barker River. When the Upper House members spoke out against this regulation earlier this year, they hoped that the National Party and the Water Minister would have no appetite to go through this process a fourth time. And here we are. Your vote today is one that is on the public record. It is a vote that long-term sustainability of the Murray-Darling Basin and the regions is about. The question is that the motion of the member for Murray be agreed to. I call the member for Barwon. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I rise to speak against this disallowance today in an attempt to avoid the sustained failure that has surrounded this debacle. Floodplain harvesting has been one of the most contentious and difficult issues that I have dealt with and been involved in since elected in 2019. I took to the 2019 election a plan that included the regulation of floodplain harvesting and I've steadily worked towards that over the last three and a half years. It started with a government that sleepwalked into the transfer of old rights under the 1912 Water Act to the new Act uh, that will constrain and reduce these rights. This included, uh, first, a completely inappropriate attempt, a shabby regulation uh, that raised suspicions and did nothing towards constraining the right. Uh, That was, I think, around the beginning of 2020, and it was rightfully disallowed. 
Let me explain, Mr Speaker, my concerns with this disallowance. <clears throat> it ends any chance at improvement for years. My advice, for what it's worth, is if the regulation cannot be resolved, uh, we have failed as representatives for our communities and the matter will be dealt with uh, for a long time in the courts. Now, for those people that don't know, um, floodplain harvesting was originally regulated under a 1912 Act. Basically, it meant that if you had an approved structure and there was water flowing across your land, no matter how big the rain event was, you could collect water. Fast forward to the 2000 Man Water Management Act, and you've got an act that has to consider downstream needs, it has to consider the environment, and regulation of floodplain harvesting means that instead of any event, You've actually got to have a declared flood event uh, to capture water. You can't just capture water. It would also put in place metering. Uh, it would ensure that uh, the take of floodplain water was reduced, and that would mean more water in the river. So disallowance of this regulation will mean continued unregulated floodplain take. Uh, two years ago, there was no valley flow target, no capacity for regulation of this activity. All this has been won uh, through discussion and negotiation. Today, I'll write to the Minister and I will write to the ALP to request the government moves to delay in the Upper House to allow the continuation of a negotiation over a more appropriate active water trigger for Menindee. So this is a low water trigger, not a storage target. This is about saying, OK, there's been no flows for a long time. We need to have a certain amount of water in Menindee so that we can release water down the Lower Darling, so that we can ensure that we've got water flowing through the system. Uh, this is a low water trigger, not a storage target. My concern is that if we hand this process to the courts as a parliament, we have failed, we have been unable to fulfil our task and we'll see no regulation of flood, no real regulation of floodplain harvesting for years and no reduction uh, in the amount of water. Now on the 195 gigalitre Menindi target as a total target, that is insufficient and I've made that clear to uh, both the Minister for the Environment and also the Minister for Water. However, uh, the 195 gigalitre active storage, which means all of the water that can't be managed plus uh, an actual manageable amount of 195 gigalitres, that's 195 billion litres of water, would provide a much better opportunity to protect the Lower Darling in dry times. Now, disallowance blow, blows that up. Um, that means there's no protection uh, for Menindee. Obviously, upstream, with the regulations in place, if it hits the low water trigger, what that means is that floodplain harvesting is stopped. So it's not in the interest of uh, even irrigators to see Menindee hit the low water trigger, and I think it's really important to make that point. It also means we'll have no valley flow targets, um, no low water trigger, of course, and I think all of that is a negative outcome for our communities. Um, I really hope that we can land in a place where this regulation um, can be put in place to constrain and reduce the activity of floodplain harvesting because, Mr Speaker, it's been an extremely long time coming and it's well overdue. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The question is that the motion of the member for Murray be agreed to. All those in favour say aye. Aye. Against say no. No. Division has been called. The result of the division is 36 ayes and 46 noes. It's been resolved in the negative. Clark, please read the next order of business. You're tuned to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. You've just heard clips from a debate in the Parliament of New South Wales over regulations to licence floodplain harvesting. And for the New South Wales government, it's been a long road in attempts to regulate this form of water take, in which irrigators can intercept floodwaters as they flow across land and store it for later use. 
Our next guest has been involved in policy negotiations over water management for decades and is the president of the Darling River Action Group. The debate here has waged over downstream community targets and low water triggers that define when floodplain harvesting must cease in order to allow flows to come downstream. There's a lot of discussion of these downstream targets, which are currently set at 195 gigalitres. Our guest, Ross Ledra, believes the details in the existing regulation is lacking and feels let down by his local member, Roy Butler, who was elected shortly after the 2019 mass fish kills at Menindi. Ross has a very intimate knowledge about the Menindi Lake system, which is made up of four large lakes and many small lakes. It both fills and feeds the Darling Barker, and has an anabranch that flows separately to the main river channel all the way to the Murray. Starting us off is Dan Schultz of Two Dry FM. Do you think the minister and those that, that voted against the disallowance genuinely think that the, these regulations are going to help the far west, or, or do you think there's something else going on here? Oh, I think it's all part of, you know, we can go back to, what was it, 2009 when they brought in the um, pipeline on the on the um, Anna Branch. You know, you can go back well before then when I think it was irrigation grew rapidly in the northern basin, cotton jumped out of the ground. And I think the pressure was on then to limit the Darling River and Indy Lakes and the Anna Branch. Um, you know, they built that pipeline and then you've got the Wentworth to Broken Hill Pipeline. Like they've been talking of reconfiguring the lakes for years and years. I've got a I've got a consultation paper when they asked a group by the name of Mawson to um, changes to the Indy Lakes. That was 2007. Um, I've still got it with me, and then they um, brought up various ways, you know, dissecting the Indy Lake and this, that, and the other. Um, so it's been it's been on their on their schedule for a long, long time. And Roy Butler. Um, said in his speech that, you know, he, he made a point of it being manageable or active water, but mm. he was pretty clear that he thought 195 was the right number. Yeah. Um, which which I thought when we spoke to him last week that that was still open for debate, that there was, mm. um, you know, discussions that should be had by scientists in, in the mm-hmm. department to kind of, you know, land on a number that is right for um, mm. for the Menindee Lakes. Um, but t- today he kind of, yeah, he seemed a lot more firm in that number. Um, yeah, yeah, very much so. Mm. Very much so. He, um, Well, you know, there's been a lot of talking to, uh, with him with a lot of pressure from the New South Wales irrigators. When you look at who Roy gets his advice from and uh, all the rest of it, it's quick to understand why he's so much for them. And then there's just no detail in, he said it'll be better for the communities along the Darling without it telling us how. Um, he's always been very, very shy on detail. Um, he seems to talk up the small things in the bottom part of the electorate, like the visits in India a few days ago, the SES and all this, you know, giving them a boat. Uh, but he's been silent on the water issue ever since the government brought out changes to the water sharing plans and the floodplain harvesting a couple of months ago. Roy hasn't mentioned water. Um, and who in the hell below Burke has he spoken to on the issue since day one? I mean, I don't think Roy spoke hardly anyone that I know of or any group 
he did speak to, to me when I showed him around the, the river and the Menindee Lakes prior to him being elected to the seat of Barwon. I don't know who he's spoken to since. I mean, names just don't jump at you from our area. And the, the Darling River Action Group have, have come out kind of immediately after the disallowance motion with a with a statement online. Yep. yep. What, what is that position? Yeah, at the last election, we, we supported shooters and fishers because we thought they were an alternative that it, that it'd stick up for the um for the system but and we used to meet regularly in roy's office and chat so i mean there's the, the treasurer of the darling river action group he was a member in the shooters and fishers party when john tingle first got it up and running and i mean he is he is disgusted with what's happened now whereby us joined the shooters and fishers in the last election as, and, and many others in our group um yeah we're, we're pulling out mainly because they haven't discussed anything with the communities below that, the people. They haven't on, on the floodplain harvesting or the water sharing plans. They've, there's been no discussion. And, you know, had you have had the opportunity to um, to speak to him and to, you know, represent the views down here, what what would you be asking for? Well, there's no doubt when you, when you talk to people and you talk to them at Menindee on the lakes, you know, you're pointing this and that to them so they can visibly see. It certainly takes a different perspective. Minister Pavey, when they brought out a lot of this, she'd come to Menindia and she met with different um, community people at Menindia and the Barkindji people at uh, Morton Walker. Now, after being there and listening, she she kind of changed and she said, right, we'll reset things. A couple of weeks later, she was fired and that seems to be the program. Um, we had 480 gigs as when they went in and controlled in New South Wales, which still was still... Are nothing as far as we're concerned for the lakes, but we had the fish kills. Now you can't blame the drought because we we supposedly had reserves for these for these occasions in the Menindee Lakes, but we had not enough to go down the river, and you know, the, therefore the fish gathered in these putrid pools and died. If we have 195, you can forget the total ecosystem, which is the most diverse and largest in the basin. When you look at uh, all the river, the lakes, and the Anna Branch. You can look at the death of that, the fish breeding, the birds, the, the, the birds from overseas that come in and all this, the yabbies, the turtles, the, the plants, under 95 gigs, that's going to do nothing, nothing. So no one, and that was a disappointing thing, no one who voted against the disallowance motion brought up anything like that. The, the culture of, um, especially around the Morton Balker area for the Aboriginals of 40,000 years, doesn't even get mentioned. And, and what happened there over white man's time as Jesus, you really have to listen to the bark and you it brings a tear to your eye but but you know the burial sites and that but just skimmed over not even brought up and what ignorance or they don't want to know not interested it's a common thread when you go through the politicians the lobbyists uh new south wales irrigators in particular they're all reading from the one page and we know who read that page certainly the new south wales irrigators You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. That was Ross Ledra, president of the Darling River Action Group, speaking to myself and Dan Schultz. The interview was first broadcast on Two Dry FM Community Radio's Water Watch program. We also heard speeches by member for Murray Helen Dalton and member for Barwon Roy Butler that were made this week in New South Wales Parliament during a debate on the disallowance for floodland harvesting regulations. If you're interested in going deeper into this story, 
Waterwatch has covered many perspectives and the finer details of these policies with experts, politicians, government and community. You can find those programs by searching Waterwatch Radio wherever you get your podcast. Earth Matters has of course covered this story over the past 12 to 18 months and you can scroll back through the Earth Matters pod feed to listen back on all those programs. You can also listen back by going to 3cr.org.au slash earthmatters and searching Earth Matters 3CR wherever you get your podcasts. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. I'd also like to thank our guests today, Helen Dalton and Ross Ledra, and the Parliament of New South Wales for supplying the parliamentary recordings. Earth Matters is usually produced in the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country, but today's episode was produced remotely on Wiliakali Country using interviews collected by 2Dry FM's Waterwatch program. The song taking us out today is Dust Lust by local musician from Broken Hill, Amy Volkovsky. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for more Earth Matters. I got that dust lust.